Welcome to the Newport Church Sermon of the Week podcast. Newport Church is a non-denominational, spirit-filled church, part of the Dove International Apostolic Network of Churches and Ministries. We are located between Mannheim and Lidditz in northern Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. We look forward to seeing you. And now, here is today's message. Great. Thanks, Nicole. Yes, we, Megan and I, love to eat. We thoroughly enjoy that. So thank you for amening that, yes. Uh, So anytime you want to come to Lancaster City and eat, we are more than happy to host you. Just let us know. We'd be glad to have you join us. Uh, This morning, I am so excited. This is my first message here at Newport. And yes, uh, I'm excited to get to share with all of you just some of my story um, as I was thinking about what I wanted to speak on for my first time here at Newport. I really... Uh, felt like the Lord was saying, hey, share your story. Share how you ended up here. Um, when I took the job at Newport, I had a lot of people ask me, was this part of the plan? Like, were you, did you set out to become a pastor? You knew it from like the age of 10. Uh, and the answer is no. Um, this was not the plan uh, from the beginning. This was something that the Lord has really been leading me into, particularly over the last year. Um, and it's just been amazing to see the ways that he's orchestrated different things in my life and brought me here uh, to be with all of you. So I'm really excited to hop into this. Um, Before I do, though, I do want to just say a huge thank you on behalf of Megan and I. We have just so enjoyed getting to be here at Newport. Um, We have felt so welcomed by all of you, so loved by all of you. Uh, We started, um, I started coming in March when I became on staff here, uh, and Megan started coming in May when she finished up her role at another church. And we have just been really blessed um, just to be here and to get to know all of you. And um, it it has really felt like just the Lord's timing for us um, in this. There's just been so many connections that have been made that uh, it was just the right season, um, the right season for us to step into. So we're just really, really thankful to be here and want to thank all of you for just how you've welcomed us here. So this morning, before I hop into my story, um, I want to tell the story of another David uh, from scripture. And um, the story of David I love, it's one of those that I could spend multiple sermons preaching on. I'm gonna try to do this pretty quickly here, Uh, but cover just one moment in David's life, one particular time where David um, was really trusting and hoping in the Lord. So we read in 1 Samuel 16 that David gets anointed by the Lord uh, to become king. So at the time, he was a teenager, he was a shepherd boy, and we learn that he, the, um, one of the prophets, Samuel, comes, anoints David, and we read that the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David in that moment. Isn't that amazing to think about the Spirit of the Lord rushing upon you, the anointing of the Lord rushing upon you um, to be king? So David knew from a young age, I'm going to be king. The Lord has uh, called me to this. This is what I am uh, going to be stepping into. And so as we go through the story of David, you have David and Goliath, where you see him uh, overcome this huge obstacle. He you know, slays the giant. Uh, he becomes kind of a hero of Israel, a general of Israel uh, from that day forward. And, and you see him just continuing to gain favor with the Lord and with people throughout this. Uh, but as he goes, you also see the jealousy of Saul come into uh, the story. And so Saul begins to become jealous of David. He gets to the point where even though David has done nothing wrong, he's been nothing but faithful in serving Saul. Uh, Saul ends up trying to take David's life. And we see this multiple times. And when one instance in particular uh, that I want to focus on today, David is fleeing from Saul. He's in the wilderness. Uh, Saul is seeking David out. And so David is literally running for his life, uh, hiding in a cave with his men. And Saul 
comes and decides to use the bathroom in the cave that David's in uh, by himself. If you want to talk about being in a vulnerable position and the presence of your enemy uh, coming in to, to use the facilities and have your enemy hiding in the back of a cave. And so David uh, and his men are back there. And David's men are like, great. The Lord has delivered this man to you. This man that's been seeking to kill you, that's been unjust to you, that's been unfair to you. He's delivered him into your hands. Now's the moment to strike him down. And we see David uh, cut a corner of Paul's, or, uh, Saul's robe off. Um, so we know he got close. He was in a position to, to take his life. But then we see this really interesting response from David. So in 1 Samuel 24, 6, David says, this is his response to his men, the Lord forbid that I do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So just think about that for a minute. You have been, the Lord's favor is on you. You've been anointed from a young age to step into this position of authority. And all of a sudden, it's right in front of you. The opportunity is right there for you to, to reach out your hand, to strike down this person that's been coming against you. But you don't. You hold back. Because you understand that your hope is not in this calling or this position. Your hope is in the Lord and in his anointing on you. And so rather than taking that moment to strike Saul down to do it out of his own strength. David realized the Lord has anointed Saul. And so until the Lord takes that anointing off of Saul, I am not to step into that. I am not to get involved in that. Instead, I am to faithfully serve the Lord, place my hope in him, place my trust in him, and allow him to prepare the way for me. And we get a really interesting picture in Psalm 57. It's actually about this instance. Um, it's one of the things I love about the story of David is you get to see his relationship with the Lord throughout his story in the Psalms. So Psalm 57, one and two says, um, he's talking about this instance in the cave uh, with Saul. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge. Till the storms of destruction pass by, I cry out to God, my, to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Because David knew it was going to be God that fulfilled his purpose for him. It was going to be God that set him into his kingdom, and he had to simply wait on the Lord and be faithful in what the Lord was calling him to do in that season. So thankfully... My story is not quite as dramatic as David. I didn't have an uh, evil king pursuing me, trying to kill me. Um, but over the last three years, um, the Lord has just been doing a lot in my heart um, and a lot in my life. And uh, looking at the story of David has given me an opportunity to kind of reflect on my own story and reflect on some of what the Lord has done um, in my own life. And so the title of today's message, and if you'd like, I do have some notes, um, some very simple notes in the app, so you can pull up the Newport app and check those out. Uh, but the title of today's message is Three Lessons I've Learned in Three Years. And so really um, today, I just want to reflect on what, the, what God has done um, in my heart, in my life over the past three years. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to glean something from, the, from my story. Um, these are pretty basic truths, but sometimes it's really good to go back to the basics and just look at what the Lord is doing um, in someone's story. So in 2019, I was a burned out college grad. I had just finished um, my bachelor's degree. I kind of went to school a little bit later. Um, so I finished my bachelor's degree and had been working for Chick-fil-A for about six years at that point. I was on the leadership team there. Uh, really 
enjoyed the job, really loved what I was doing, but had gotten to a point where um, it had become kind of an unhealthy uh, work-life balance for me. Um, and a lot of that was due to um, kind of a performance mindset. I really got a lot of my identity from my work. I really got a lot of my security from my job, and so I put in really long hours. Uh, my senior year of college um, was also the time that we opened the Fruit Bowl Pike location. So if you are familiar with Chick-fil-A uh, and Lancaster, you know that that location is crazy, and there's a lot of stuff that <laughs> there's a just opening that was it was a whole different story. There's a lot I can go into with that, but. Um, it really stretched me that year to the point where I was burned out coming out of it. Um, and so uh, with that, um, I kind of got to what my friends would later tell me was a quarter-life crisis where I decided <laughs> I need to do something different. Uh, I need to do something that is going to be uh, a little bit more restorative. I wanted to really focus on my relationship with the Lord, really felt like God was calling me into a deeper season with him, um, and also just needed to do something that was uh, not working at Chick-fil-A for a little bit. So I ended up making a uh, pretty radical decision. I decided I was going to pursue something that had been a dream of mine since age 12. I would say it's probably one of my top three life dreams. And it was to take a year off and travel around the world, working with the local church in different areas to really just see how church looks in different places, to see um, how the Lord is moving in different countries. And um, I love to travel. For me, it's kind of like a spiritual experience where I feel like a lot of times it kind of takes my comfort away. It forces me into situations where I really have to rely on the Lord. And so for me, it was uh, something that I thought, this is going to be great. I'm kind of burned out. Traveling is something that I find restores me. It, it puts me out of my comfort zone. I feel like this will be a really, um, a really great experience. Um, I'd heard an, of an organization called the World Race before. Um, it's very similar to YWAM and kind of its beliefs and structure. Uh, but essentially what they do is they send you on an 11th month mission trip and you go to 11 countries in those 11 months. And so uh, you do it as a team. So you're on a team of people, which I thought was really good and really healthy. So you have people you're learning with, or people you're growing with. And I was really excited. Um, like I said, this has been a dream of mine. I was kind of a, I was a pastor's kid, a missionary's kid. So you always hear the stories of how the Lord moves in different countries. And so I thought, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to see the Lord do some really awesome things um, during this time. And I started getting prepared. So I put my notice in, started getting ready for uh, this trip. Um, I am very much a planner. And so if you can imagine planning a year of traveling for somebody that is a planner, it was amazing. I spent hours looking up different things that I needed to pack in my backpack because you're backpacking. So you have everything you need for a year, you have to fit in there. So I got all into the details, figuring out exactly the sleeping mat I wanted and how heavy it should be. And um, yeah, it was, it was fun. We, I'm not going to lie. It was, I had a good time um, getting ready. But it was one of those things where, as I got into it more and more, I realized my, and looking back on it, I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back on it, I realized my hope started shifting from hoping in the Lord and hoping in what he was going to do to hoping in this trip and what it was going to do. Um, and so it got to the point where I kept thinking about, oh, well, this trip, I'm going to go into it, and maybe I'll meet somebody along the way, and they'll be able to kind of direct me into the next season of life. Or maybe I'll work with this really amazing organization, and I'll get to come back and set up my camp there, and, and that'll kind of be the way that the Lord establishes me. Uh, and so as we were going through it, it just felt like the, the focus of my trip slowly began to shift from 
What is the Lord wanting to do in this season? How is he wanting to move? How am I hoping in the Lord for this season? To how am I hoping in this trip and how it's going to solve some things for me? So I uh, went into the trip in January. I left January 8th, two days after my 27th birthday. Had an amazing three months uh, traveling in South America. The Lord was really doing things in my heart. I just uh, remember the, the week before uh, we ended up leaving, there was just these things that he kept drawing up in me. There were some things that um, he was really working through, and, and I remember thinking, yes, this is why I came on this race. It was why I decided to do this trip, so that the Lord would kind of work some things out in me and start to call some things out. Um, and so it was really going amazing. It was, it was starting to get to that point where I felt like, okay, this is what I signed up for. This is why I signed up to do this. Uh, and then, as you can all probably guess based on the timing, we got a phone call that said, hey, everything is shutting down. You guys need to be home in three days. Um, and so within three days... We hopped on an airplane. Um, the coronavirus had just hit, so everyone was um, scrambling at that point. Uh, I really feel for the organization I went out with. They had about 20 teams spread out all across the world that they had to get home in a span of about four days. So you can imagine logistically trying to book flights for people, trying to get people home. Um, and so we came home, and I remember getting the phone call <laughs> in Argentina. We were in Buenos Aires at the time, and thinking, you know what? This isn't such a bad thing. They're saying it's going to be about two weeks. So I can do two weeks. I can deal with that. And we, so I was like, you know, actually, there's some stuff in my backpack I really want to drop off at my parents' house because I don't want to carry it around for a year. So this will be good. I'll go home. We were living off of $5 a day for food. So I was like, it's great. I'll eat some of my mom's cooking. I'll get kind of fattened up a little bit. And then we can head back out in two weeks. Um, and as you all know, that's not what happened. Um, as we got home, the two weeks turned into a month, and then the month turned into three months, and then the three months turned into, we're not gonna be able to relaunch you guys, you're not gonna be able to leave again, and uh, we need to shut down the program until the virus ends. Um, and so for all of us, it was a real season of transition. Um, it was a real season of wondering what the Lord was doing. I know for me, there was moments of uh, questioning, okay, God, did you actually call me to do this? Did you actually call me to take this trip? Because it doesn't feel like it, because it feels like I took a chance, I got rid of my apartment, I quit my job, you know, I took this year off to pursue this dream that I felt like you placed on my heart, but now I'm left living in my parents' basement with no job, having to quarantine. Um, and it was, it was a really dark place to be. It was a really hard season, and um, thankfully I have... I, I did have a strong relationship with the Lord, so I feel like um, it wasn't necessarily a crisis of faith, but it was definitely a dark night of the soul of just feeling like there was this questioning that was happening of, God, what were you doing? Um, why would you let me go on this trip? Why would you let me have all these dreams um, just to have it end the way it did? So um, as I went through this time, I uh, ended up working at a QVC warehouse um, it was a really interesting season of getting up at 4 a.m. and going into this very dark warehouse that was very chaotic because um, it was during COVID, so people wouldn't show up for work. And um, at Chick-fil-A, my job was, I was a, worked a lot with the operations of the restaurant, so efficiency was my thing. I was really into making sure things ran really efficiently, and I would show up at QVC, and things were just a mess. Um, and I had the most boring job in the whole warehouse. I had to do returns, but it didn't matter where you put stuff. You were just basically throwing things on shelves, and 
Um, every day, my inner organizational like, efficiency person was just struggling with, why am I here? This is so frustrating. They don't know how to run a business, like all, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so frustrating work, frustrating living in my parents' basement, um, frustrating having dreams that uh, seem to have died that year. Um, and so as I went through 2020, the Lord really challenged me in where was I placing my hope? Because we can be in seasons where we feel like we're hoping for really good things, where we feel like we're hoping for things that the Lord has called us to. Um, you know, whether it's, hey, we're really hoping for a new house to be able to have more people stay with us. Um, I know for Megan and I, my wife, that's something that we have hoped for. We want space to be able to have people come in. Um, or I'm really hoping for that new job promotion that you know, will enable me to make more money so I can give more, so I can invest in the kingdom of God. Um, all of those things are really beautiful things. There's, those are good things. But if we make that our hope, if we make that where our hope stops, um, so often it's going to end in disappointment because our hope rests in Jesus. Our hope rests in, a, in an eternal hope that goes beyond the temporary. It goes beyond those things that can fade away, that can fail, and it goes into something that is permanent, something that will not fail. So in Colossians 3, uh, 1 and 4, it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then also you will appear with him in glory. So set your eyes on things that are above. Set your eyes on things that will not fail, in the hope that will not fail. Hebrews 12, 28 says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Our world's has been getting shaken. If you look over the last three years, I don't know anyone's life that has not gotten shaken a little bit, whether it's through disappointment, kind of like what I had with things getting canceled because of the pandemic, things that you had hoped for, things that you had wanted to have happen, whether it's with finances, as we kind of look towards a future that's very uncertain. Um, I know that at times it can just feel like, wow, what's what is going to happen? Um, it feels like our economy is all out of whack. There's just all these weird things happening that have never happened before. Um, and so it can feel like our lives are just being shaken every day. And yet we're told that the kingdom of God is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And it's a kingdom that we can rest. It's a kingdom that we can hope in. Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So the first lesson I want to leave with you is to place your hope in the Lord. Place your hope in a place that will not fail, a place that can be um, established. The second lesson I want to uh, talk about today is to trust in the Lord. Um, in every season, to place your trust in him. So after coming back, um, so I took a two-month road trip in the summer of 2020. I decided that I needed to get out of my parents' basement for a little bit. Needed to do something different for a, for a season, so I decided to hop in my car, and I, I traveled around the U.S. for a couple months visiting some friends, and um, honestly, it was, I think it was the mercy of God just letting me have some time to process through um, my year and process through what was happening. Uh, and so took two months off, was coming back um, to the States. I got a text message from a friend that said, hey, I was talking about your 
year with a friend of mine because we were talking about all the things that COVID ruined. And uh, your name came up and we were talking about it a little bit. And um, I actually think you should meet this person. I think um, you guys would really get along. Would you be willing to go on a blind date with them? And honestly, I thought no. I, I don't think I'm ready for that. Um, I'm not gonna lie, a little bit of my pride at that moment was I have no job. I am going back to live in my parents' basement, and I have no idea where I'm going in life right now. So it's not a great time for me to get in a relationship with someone. Um, that's a, it's gonna be a big, a lot for me to overcome. So, um, and it didn't help, I'll let, if you have um, some questions about this, you can talk to Megan, but uh, my first date with her, it didn't help, I showed up in a, old t-shirt and jeans. Um, and needless to say, she was not impressed. Um, so I had to do a little bit of charming to get date number two. Um, but through that, the Lord really uh, obviously connected us. We got married about a year later. Um, and it was one of those moments of the Lord starting to bring some redemption um, through that year and starting to bring some redemption to my story during that time. Um, after I got back, I ended up uh, going back and working for Chick-fil-A, which I never thought would happen. Um, it was not a place that I wanted to go back to. Um, I love the company. It's a great organization. Uh, but once again, it came out of it being very burned out. And so the idea that the Lord is calling me back to that was um, hard at first, but then really confirmed through different conversations I had with different people and through just praying and waiting on him. And so I, I said, I'd go back to Chick-fil-A. I talked with the owner and said, I'll go back, but I'm only going back for a maximum of two years. Um, I think I can do two years. I don't think I can go past that. Um, and I really feel like long-term I want to do something else. And so they agreed. Um, it was great that they were able to let me come back and work there. And um, honestly, once again, I feel like it was the mercy of the Lord just giving me a season where uh, I could have some stability to go back to a job that I knew, to go back to a job that I um, was good at, that I could um, be able to be a blessing to other people in. Um, so I really feel like that was something that the Lord had set up there. Um, but I got about six months in and started having some of the same stressed out uh, experiences where um, it's a hard job. I was still feeling a little bit burned out, I think. Um, nine months away was not enough to kind of erase the stress of the six years before then. And so uh, as I got into um, more and more of my time with Chick-fil-A, I started asking, Lord, what are you doing? Like, you brought me back here. It's been, you know, at this point, it's been about six months. I still have a whole year at least to go. Um, what are you wanting to do in this season? And I kept coming back to him telling me, I'm asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to trust me when you don't see what's coming next, when you don't like the season that you're in. I'm asking you to trust me that I'm doing something behind the scenes. Um, being in that place of trusting the Lord when we don't see what's going on is really difficult. Um, it's really challenging. It's not comfortable to be in that position. Um, like Proverbs said, uh, you know, our heart is to plan our way. We want to plan where we're going. We want to have an idea of, where, of a direction we're going in. And thankfully, sometimes the Lord does give that to you. Sometimes he will tell you more specifically where you're going. But oftentimes, we have to wait on the Lord to establish where we're going first, to create that way of where we're going first. And so that was where I ended up being at, of being in the season of waiting, of having to say, okay, God, I think you're setting something up. I think you're doing something. You don't have me in this season just to be in the season. You are doing something, but I have no idea what it is. I don't understand the plan or the purpose that you have for this season specifically, but I'm going to trust you. And one of the lessons that I learned in that season really was to come before the Lord with open hands and say, God, whatever you want to place in my hands, 
place in my hands, but whatever you want to take away, take away. I'm open for you to move however you want to move in this season. And Romans uh, 8, 25 through 28 says, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. What a comfort it is to know that as we wait on the Lord, the Spirit is interceding for us. The Lord is active even as we're waiting. You know, sometimes it can feel like God isn't doing anything. It can feel like he's waiting too, like he's just kind of waiting for things to get in place, but that's not what we see here. We see that the Lord is active, that he's moving, that he's working, that the Spirit is interceding on our behalf, even when we don't feel like anything's happening, even when we feel like we're stuck and the world has stopped moving forward for us, we know that, the, that God is doing something, that he's moving and that he's working and bringing things about. And so in, as 2020 went into 2021 and I was still um, working at Chick-fil-A and still trying to figure things out, um, this was something I held on to that God, I know that you are working things out, that if I'm faithful to you, if I'm trusting in you, if I'm putting my hope in you, you are going to bring about the right thing. You're going to move in in a way that's going to uh, be your best for my life. Um, And the scary thing is that oftentimes God's best for our life isn't going to be uh, the easiest. It's not going to be the most comfortable. Um, It's not going to be Uh, always the most attractive to us at first. Um, Oftentimes, God's best for us is going to be stretching. It's going to be calling us into something that we don't feel ready for, we don't feel prepared for. Um, And that was definitely the case for me, Uh, particularly as we go into my story here and we get into um, coming to Newport. I was not expecting to end up in a pastoral role. It had never entered on my radar that that would even be a possibility. Um, But the Lord took experience from my life. He took different times in my life that uh, I had been able to get training, been able to get um, experience in different areas, and he kind of brought it together. Um, And uh, yeah, it was was amazing. We'll get more into that in a moment. Um, Romans 12.12 says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Um, In that chapter, Paul is talking about the marks of a true Christian. And There's a a lot of different things that he mentions in that chapter, but I want to focus particularly on verse 12 um, because I think it's a really good mandate for trusting in the Lord. I think it gives us some really practical instruction of what it means uh, to trust in the Lord in seasons. So if we take the first point there, rejoice in hope. Rejoice in hope because we have a hope that is eternal. So even when circumstances don't look good, even when you might be going through something that's really difficult and you are in a season of waiting, our hope ultimately isn't in the next season. Our hope is in something eternal. And so it's something that even if, even if the next season isn't great as well, we know ultimately the end of the story that our hope, the thing that we're putting our hope in is good. Um, and it's something that we can walk into. So rejoice in hope. So we get to rejoice in that. We get to rejoice even in hard seasons that at the end of the day, um, we get to be part of the kingdom of God. Uh, be patient in tribulation. This one's a little painful. Be patient in tribulation. Wait for the Lord to do something in those moments when you're 
waiting on him when you're in that season of looking for the next thing, but also realizing that the Lord has you where you're at for a moment. Um, being willing to be patient and wait for him to come. So um, just a question to ponder there. Are we patient in the seasons when things aren't going well? And do we trust that the Lord is still working even when we aren't seeing it? So even when we're not seeing it, are we patient with our waiting on the Lord? Or do we try to take steps to make something happen quickly? I mean, looking back at the story of David, that was a lot of patience on David's part, to be willing to be patient for the Lord to establish him in his role. Um, it, you know, from the time it took when he was anointed till the time when he became king of all of Israel was about 20 years. So if you can imagine 20 years of having to wait for that anointing to come to pass. It's a long time. Um, but it was something where David was patient, even in the hard times, to wait on the Lord's timing. And then the last one, pray constantly. So are we constantly coming back to intimacy with Jesus as our lifeline? Do we understand our utter dependence on the Holy Spirit to empower us and move within us? So in these seasons of waiting, it doesn't mean that you're just passively waiting. It means that you are grabbing hold of Jesus and saying, I need you in this season. Without you, I'm not going to make it through this. Without you, I'm going to come out bitter. I'm going to come out disappointed. I'm going to come out frustrated. But with you, you can empower me to walk in wholeness in this season. You can empower me to walk in belief and trust in this season. And so trusting in the Lord, it really does come down to, are you in a place of intimacy with the Lord? Are you spending time with him? Are you seeking his face? Are you surrounding people that are going to help encourage you in your walk with the Lord, that are going to help you trust in the Lord in that season? Um, a few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Matt talked about um, five habits of a healthy soul. And I think um, if you didn't hear that message, go back and listen to it. It's a really good practical message on just being able to have healthy habits that help your soul. Um, and I would say in a season where you're having to trust on the Lord, that's the kind of message that you need of how do I create healthy habits that are going to help me trust in the Lord, that are going to help me have a healthy soul in the midst of hard times. So as Christians, we have the opportunity to trust in God in the midst of an unknowable and uncertain future. It's an opportunity. In eternity, we won't have that opportunity because we'll know what the future is going to hold, because we'll be with Jesus. But right now, we have the opportunity. We get to trust him. We get to view it as an act of worship, of saying, Jesus, you're worth my trust in this season. You're worth me putting my whole heart into, um, me trusting in you completely. So as Megan and I uh, looked towards our future, we got married in October of 2021. And we were both ending seasons at our, our job. Um, so Megan had been working as an associate pastor at a United Methodist Church in New York for about 10 years. And so we both were at a season, Megan had felt like she had heard from the Lord a couple years earlier that she was gonna be transitioning out of that role. So she had started looking for something new. Um, I was ending my time with Chick-fil-A and was very ready to move on to the next thing. And so we both began to look for, okay, what is coming up next, God? What are you going to move in next? And so uh, I had started applying for jobs, had not really found um, what I felt like the Lord was going to do um, in terms of uh, the jobs that he was bringing or the jobs that were coming up. Um, had a, a couple offers that I um, ended up turning down just because it wasn't the right season um, for that. did not feel like the Lord was, that was where he was leading me. 
um, but also was getting kind of desperate to find something at this point. Um, I was at, I committed to 16 to 18 months and I was at about month 15. So I thought, okay, it's time to find something else. It's time, God, I was waiting. I've been waiting patiently for you. I've been expecting you to set something up. So um, I'm trusting you now that you're going to set the next thing up and that I can wait uh, on you, but you're going to fulfill um, what you've promised in the season. And so Megan and I were um, talking through this, talking through our transition and uh, like I said, she was also looking for a job. And so one day we got an email in December from a friend of ours that said, hey, there is a pastoral role that is opening at Newport. Um, we really think that Megan should consider it. And I was like, yeah, I agree. I think that would be amazing. Um, I had, I've grown up in Dove, so my dad is a Dove pastor um, in Elizabethtown. Um, actually, my whole family is involved in ministry. So my dad's a pastor at Dove Elizabethtown. Um, my one brother-in-law is a pastor of the Dove Akron Church. And then my other brother-in-law and sister, I have two older sisters, um, my other brother-in-law and sister are missionaries, Dove missionaries in North Africa. Um, so my entire family, except for me, was involved at some, in some capacity with Dove. Um, and things. And so I was kind of the black sheep of the family. I was the one that, you know, was having the normal job, making the normal income. Um, I kind of like that. I kind of like the stability that that offered um, and everything. And we would, my family would sit around at Thanksgiving and it would always be theology talks um, about, or church talks about what was happening in different people's church and the, the issues that would come up and things. And um, I would always kind of sit there quietly and nod and say, thank goodness, that is not the role I am in. <laughs> Little did I know. Um, so uh, we, we went into the season where uh, Meg, we had gotten this email. Megan went on to apply. If you have ever wondered if it is difficult to get a job with Newport Church, the application took Megan about three and a half hours to fill out. And Megan has a master's degree from a seminary in that. So it wasn't that she didn't have the knowledge or the, uh, the understanding for the questions. It was just that it was very long with a lot of very intense questions. So Megan went through this, um, filled out the application, and as she was filling it out, started coming across some organizational questions. Um, the role was for an executive pastor, and so she started, getting she started answering questions about the executive role with having to help with organizational things, helping with leading staff, and that aspect of church ministry. Um, and she got to a point where she um, was like, you know, this is not really an area that I am passionate or have experience in, but this is something that David deals with a lot in his role at Chick-fil-A. So I wonder if this is something that would be for him. So um, she brought this up to me and said, hey, I think you should consider this. And my initial thought was, no, I don't think that's for me. Um, don't, don't really want to move into a pastoral role. Um, and thankfully, she kept being persistent in that and kept offering, you know, I really think this might be the next step for you. You should apply. And I got on and looked at the application a few times. I thought, nope, this is way too much work for something I, I don't necessarily feel passionate about yet. Um, but the Holy Spirit just continued to kind of work through that um, and continue to work through over about a month. It took about a month for me to actually sit down and do it. Um, and it, honestly, it wasn't until there was a day where I was getting ready to go to work and the Holy Spirit spoke very clearly. It's one of the clearest times I've ever heard him speak and said, you need to stop what you're doing. You need to listen to your wife. It's always a good word. Um, <laughs> and you need to fill out that application because if it's me, then that's where I've called you and you've said that you trust me and you've said that you'll move into whatever I call you to. So if that's it, you need to be faithful and you need to take those steps. And if it's not it, you've only wasted three hours, so it's not a big deal. Um, <laughs> 
And so I got on, and I was so thankful. I pulled up that application. So I, w I immediately went, um, was like, I need to be obedient. I immediately went, pulled up the application. And someone had gone in and taken probably about three quarters of it out. So I only had to fill out about a quarter of what Megan did. Thank goodness. Um, she was very happy about that. Uh, <laughs> um, but it was just a, uh, a moment then of me going through and filling it out and saying, all right, Lord, I said I was going to have open hands. So if this is what you called me to, then this is what I want. Uh, and so we went through the process. Uh, Pastor Merle emailed me a few days later and said, hey, we would like to get dinner with you. We've never had this happen before where a husband and wife have both applied for the same position. Um, I think he was secretly hoping we knew that we both applied for the position. Um, so he's like, we should get dinner. We should find out uh, exactly um, you know, who you guys are and what, what you're looking for. And uh, I remember Megan and I getting ready for um, that meeting and saying, okay, we are both very different people with very different giftings. And so this role, uh, if it's right for either of us, it's probably only gonna be right for one of us. Um, this is not a role that is gonna fit for, for both of us. It's gonna be one that's gonna be very specific. So would, whoever gets this, if this is what the Lord's calling us to, then um, we're gonna pursue that. Um, so we met with Merle and Cherie. Uh, they described the role and it, it was much more clearly a fit in terms of organizational leadership. And as we went through that process, it was so interesting because the Lord started bringing to mind different things, different passions that I'd had over the years, um, particularly for organizations that are in some sort of ministry-related field. Um, growing up in a family of pastors, you get to hear a lot of the stories of dysfunction in churches, and you get to hear a lot of the stories of leadership teams that don't function in a healthy way, staff that don't function in a healthy way, um, and it was something where I'd always been really passionate about, man, I really wish I could have a role where I could affect that, where I could be part of an organization, help bring a healthy perspective, help uh, staff be able to relate in a healthy way, um, build good systems, build good accountability, all of those things. and. It was really interesting as we got more into this process with Newport of realizing, wow, that's actually kind of what an executive pastor does. They help with the organization. They kind of help with the business side of running things within a church. Um, they help with creating good structures and creating healthy structures. And so as we went through this, the Lord was like, hey, I know you didn't think this is what you were being called to, but I've been putting this calling on your life for years. You just didn't realize it. I've been putting this on your, on your heart for years. I mean, it was funny. We, I thought back to, I went to a Bible school for a year. And that year, my nickname was Pastor David because everyone just thought I was very pastoral. And I was always like, that's not what I want to do. I want to get into business. Please don't speak that over my life. Um, once again, little did I know. Uh, but it, it was that just trusting in the Lord of realizing, wow, I had no idea what you were doing. I had no idea the ways that you were working behind the scenes in my life to be able to bring me to a place where I was ready to take on a role like this. Um, obviously, there's a lot that I still have to learn being in a pastoral role. Thankfully, I'm in the right family for that. They all have lots of advice for me. Um, but there's just something about when the Lord sets something up, when he is the one that establishes your steps, um, that is so incredibly special and so incredibly ordained by him um, that it's an honor to get to walk in that. And it's an honor to get to serve him in that way. Um, so Megan and I, as you know, took the job, started coming here. And um, one of the things that uh, through this process that we recognized that was going to be challenging for both of us was the 
fact that I took the job at Newport meant that Megan could no longer wait for a job to come. She had to leave her job um, so that we could both be in ministry here together. Um, and it was one of those seasons of Megan has such a pastoral heart. She's one of the best pastors I know. She just does an amazing job of connecting with people, of helping disciple people. Um, she's great at preaching. Um, just somebody that's very gifted pastorally. Um, and she had always wanted to work, uh, or not always, but since she had been in ministry, she had a, had a heart for the church. She had a heart to see um, the church be empowered, and uh, that's where her heart was at. And so me taking this role meant that she needed to step into an unknown season um, where she doesn't know what's coming next um, for her. And so it's something as a couple we came to an agreement on, we prayed about, we both felt like this is from the Lord. Um, and we had to move into a season then of really trusting not just for the Lord for me and my season coming to Newport, but also for her and her season of figuring out what was gonna be coming next. Um, and we're still in that season of figuring out what's coming next uh, for Megan. She's still um, in that in-between stage. Um, but through that, one of the things that we have learned, so my third point that we're bringing up here, um, is finding our rest in God. Um, finding our rest in times that are uncertain. So you can trust the Lord at times, but you could still be a little bit uh, anxious at times. You can be like, I trust you, God, but I'm still kind of unsettled in this. I still feel kind of a little, like maybe a little bit of chaos inside um, around this. Uh, but there's a season when you can learn to rest in God, when you can learn to find your rest in him, where you don't have to strive because you know that God is what is feeding you. He is what is bringing you life. Um, and Jeremiah, I love this picture. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water. It sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for it leaves, its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. So in seasons where we are trusting the Lord, we're hoping the Lord, learning to rest in the Lord brings so much restoration in us. Because it, it comes down to, once again, our lifeline being in Jesus. It comes down to um, not being fed by the things around us, not being fed by our circumstances or how things are going in life, but being fed by what God is doing how he's speaking, how he's moving. It's being fed by his word and being in a, a close and intimate relationship with him. Because when you're in that place of being close and intimate with the Lord, you can withstand things that you never thought you'd be able to withstand. You can, you can withstand the uncertainty. You can withstand the, the trials that you didn't see coming or the things that are coming, um, that come up in life that you never expected um, because you have deep roots because the environment that's around you isn't going to affect you in the same way it affects others, uh, because your roots are firm and they're grounded in Jesus. So in this season, we have been trusting in the Lord. We've been trying to rest in the Lord. Uh, and one verse that I have kind of held on is my verse this year, just as we've gone through. So just to give you a picture, we got married in October. We both moved out of our apartment, so we moved into a new apartment. Um, we both quit our jobs. We both started coming to a new church. Uh, I guess marriage would be the other big one, like learning how to, to be married, how to be in relationship with somebody. It was a lot of transition um, in a very short amount of time. Uh, and so both of us have kind of gotten to this point now of realizing, wow, we really need to learn to rest in God 
We really need to learn that he is our source, that when things get chaotic and when things are uh, going a little bit crazy, we can actually really rest um, in him and we can have that be our foundation. So a verse that I've been holding on to this year, just as different things have come up, um, as we've looked towards an uncertain future of not knowing exactly what's going to happen with, with, both, with um, our, our careers, and now my career is settled, but we're still figuring out uh, Megan's career, um, is Psalm 112, verse 7. It says, he is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Um, and the psalmist is referring to a man who fears God and delights in his commandments. But I just love that because how often do we fear bad news? How often do we worry about what the next thing is going to hold? Um, you know, like I brought up the economy earlier, this year has been a little bit stressful for a lot of us when it comes to looking forward to what the economy is going to look like in six months. Um, you know, you hear the word recession thrown around and uh, it, it can feel like, wow, this, we just went through a pandemic. Can we just have a couple normal years? Can we just have a couple years where things are like, they're not all chaos, where we can kind of all catch our breath? Um, but that's not the way the world works. And so we need to find a source that is not from the world, but that is, um, that is stable. We need to find a kingdom that isn't shakable, that we can dig our roots into, that we can allow to be our source of life uh, in this season, um, so that we don't have to be afraid of bad news. So we don't have to fear when things go wrong because we know that our source and our life is found in Jesus. So worship team, you guys can come up if you want. So this morning, um, we're going to go into a time of worship and also um, just uh, ministry here. And I just want to encourage you, um, if you feel like you're in one of those seasons where your hope has been a little bit shaken... Uh, maybe you have hoped in something that hasn't worked out in the past year. You've hoped in something that hasn't turned out the way you were expecting it. Um, or maybe you're in a season where you are really having to trust the Lord for something. Um, you're in a season that feels unstable and you're, you're needing to put your trust um, in the one who is really worthy of your trust. Um, or maybe you're in a season where you're feeling just tired and burned out. And you're needing to rest in the Lord, to allow him to restore you, to allow him to uh, bring his river of life into your life. Um, so whichever camp you find yourself in, if you're in one of those camps, um, I just encourage you to take some time and to reflect, to take some time to ask the Lord to search you and know you um, and see if there's anything in you that you need to be bringing before him um, today. And so I just have three really simple questions uh, for you to ponder as we go into a time of worship here. Um, so the first question is, where is my hope resting currently? So just think about that. Where is your hope resting currently? Is it resting in God? Is it resting in his kingdom? Um, second question is, have I placed my trust in the Lord? Are you trusting in the Lord in this season? Are you trusting for his goodness to be working even when you can't see what's happening, even when you can't see the way forward? Uh, and then the last question, just to reflect on here, do I feel at rest in Jesus in the season I'm in? doesn't mean that you're in an easy season. It doesn't mean that you are just feeling good about life right now. Um, it means, are you at rest? Are you finding rest and restoration in Jesus? And is he restoring your soul in this season? So we're going to go into a time of worship here. Um, 
So prayer ministers, if you guys want to come up, um, if you would like prayer for that, I encourage you to come up and get prayer for that or anything that you might be going through right now. Um, also encourage you, you can always just grab somebody next to you as well um, if you need to, to get some prayer for something this morning. Uh, but we're going to go into a time of worship here um, and then we will close up. Thanks for listening today. We would like to invite you back to our services starting at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more great content from Newport Church, check out newportchurch.net or visit our YouTube channel. To get the right one, search for Newport Church in Elm, PA.